Good morning, everybody. Good Welcome morning. to First Baptist Church. We are so glad that you are here today, and it is a good day to praise the Lord. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Yes, Let's yes, stand yes. together and praise his name.
and Buenos Dias and Arrivederci or whatever. I don't know what else beyond that. I, Hill, Hillbilly, I know some of that. Hi, y'all. Okay, good to have you in the house of the Lord. Thankful for the grace of God that takes away, not just covers, takes away all of our sins. I got to thinking about some of those uh, this week, and you know what? It's the grace of God that we don't have to carry that weight of that sin around, that he's forgiven us, and, uh, and he will forget about it. He will see our sins no more. So we're thankful for the grace of God today. Would you say hi to the person next to you, then go ahead and have a seat. Go ahead and do that. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, everybody, to First Baptist Church of Coronado. We're so glad to have you with us today. If you're joining us by way of uh, live streaming, Facebook or YouTube, either one, hello, and come and visit us in person. We'd love to have you. Everyone else in the house here, if you're a first-timer at First Baptist Church, it would be a, a real honor to us if you would take one of these cards and the seat back in front of you and fill it out with your information. Uh, we will not harass you. We will not sell the list. We're just, we want to know who came to visit with us today. And if you have a special prayer request on the back, if you have a special, if you have some kind of question, do that. Today, be preaching on the character of the Father, and then after that, we're going to have a new membership class. Now, you're invited to stay for that. We ordered a couple extra lunches in case uh, somebody decides in the spur of the moment to stick around. We'd love to have you stay for that. You do not have to join after the class if you don't want to, okay? That's still up to you. So, uh, But if you're interested in finding out more about the church, we'd love to have you stick around for uh, that class. It's about, we have a lunch, and, and it'd be about uh, maybe an hour and a half or so, uh, and we'll be dismissed from that. So hope you'll stay. Military meal, uh, your meal is on the patio, so hope you'll stick around for that active military families. Check your bulletin for a special Bible studies held. We have something going on almost every night of the week. And then next Sunday, be preaching on the glory of the Father. One more message on the title uh, or the term Father, and then we'll move on to names in the New Testament, names of God. Uh, again, bring candy. I saw some of you, several of you bring it. So next Sunday will be the last Sunday that you can bring it. Or any time during this week, we have little barrels back there where you can put it in. We're going to uh, have uh, Live Love is going to have an outreach to the community, and there'll be uh, hot dogs and water and chips and candy and uh, all kinds of special music, all kinds of stuff going on. So hope that uh, you'll participate in that by bringing candy and being here that night, bringing people along with you. Trustee nomination will open next Sunday, uh, October 30th and November the 6th. So we'll have two Sundays uh, and two different weeks that you can nominate someone if you are so inclined. Make sure it's someone who is a member of the church. Make sure it's someone who would like to serve in that position. Kind of use 1 Timothy chapter 3 as a template of qualifications, even though 1 Timothy chapter 3 refers specifically, first of all, to elders and pastors and then to deacons. But it'll give you an outline of the kind of qualities and, and character that we're looking for and those that will serve in the leadership of the church. So feel free to nominate on the basis of those things. We'll have uh, nomination forms the next two Sundays so that you can uh, write down that and, and make sure to check with them. It, it's okay with them if you do nominate them. Um, 
title of the bulletin article, There's a Sweet, Sweet Spirit in This Place. The title above is also the name of a great Christian song. And I wish, again, I wish you could have seen what I saw last Sunday morning as the praise team was doing such an incredible job with the closing song. I had the privilege of looking out into your faces. And there were some pretty amazing uh, expressions on the people here. There was a spirit of worship going on, and it was obvious. Some had their eyes closed. Others had their eyes open as they sang. Some raised their hands. Others kept their hands by the sides. Almost everyone was singing. It was pure joy for me to see as I was privileged to, to observe that. The Spirit of God was in this place. And I'm going to tell you something. Unless the Spirit of God is in this place, we're wasting our time being here. So uh, if we come for any other, any other thing going on except the blessings of the Spirit of God, uh, it's, 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 not, it's a waste. That experience of me looking out senior, coupled with a Sunday, the Sunday a week ago, and you're giving us gifts and cards for Pastor Appreciation Month, again reminded Pat and me how blessed we are to be at First Baptist Church. We love to be loved, don't we all? We love to be loved. Not all pastors are treated as kindly as you've treated us. And so for that and a host of other reasons, we're appreciative of you all. May God's spirit remain here at First Baptist Church until he comes back again. Thank you for being you, and thank you for loving us, and we do love you a lot. Let's continue to worship the Lord. Would you stand with us as we do so? Yeah. 
Thank you so much for that. Thank you for leading us, praise team. And all the boys and girls, the First Baptist Church, we got this neat little opportunity I have to spend a couple of minutes with you. So would you come on up to the front? Everyone else, if you have your Bible, turn to 1 John chapter 1. The book of 1 John, toward the end of the Bible, 1 John chapter 1 for the message today. And here's some boys and girls of First Baptist Church. Let's give them a hand. They're in God's house today. We're so glad that they're here. God bless you guys and gals. Thank you for being in God's house today. How many of you are a father? I am. 
I'm a father. How many out here are fathers? Let me see your hands. Okay, we've got several dad out here. And, and dads do a lot of things. And I want you to help me figure out what are some things that dads do? Yes, ma'am. They work. That's right. They work. All right. What is something else that dads do? Yes. They work so much and so hard, and you ladies need to be easier on the guys because they work so hard. That's right. That's right. What else do dads do? Yes, ma'am. They provide food. That's right. And they protect their families, and they lead their families. They teach their families. They play. Do they ever play with you, your dad or your granddad or your uncle or somebody? Do they ever play with you? Huh? So dads do a lot of things, and sometimes, sometimes they have to discipline their children. Do you know what discipline means? Anybody got that figured out? Huh? Do, do, is it fun to be disciplined? Not really, huh? Not really. Do you think your dad enjoys disciplining you? Mm, no, he doesn't. In fact, you've always, you've probably heard your dad say, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. Not always the case, but he has his heart's in the right place anyhow. So discipline is important and necessary because it instructs us and teaches us the things that we should do and things that we shouldn't do. Listen to what the Bible says. My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you for, because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as a child. So God disciplines us the same reason as our dads and moms discipline us because it's to teach us a valuable lesson and it's to let us know that God loves us. So don't hate it when God disciplines you, when the Father disciplines you, but rather say, you know what? That means he loves me. That's why he does it. So I know that may be a concept hard to understand when you're in the midst of being disciplined, but trust me, by faith, he, they love you. Your dads, your granddads, your uncles, those people that are in your life that are important to you, they love you a lot. So let's bow our heads and pray, okay? Everybody bow, bow the baby's heads, baby doll's heads. All right, can they close their eyes? Not so much, okay. Father, we pray that you'd bless these children. God, teach them the word of God that is powerful, that never returns empty and void, that always accomplishes the purpose you have. And may each one of these young ladies and young men receive Christ as their personal Savior, if they haven't already, at an early age. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. And all the kids said, Amen. Go out into your class now, and thank you so much for being here. And don't forget, Halloween night, we're going to have stuff going on out front, and you're going to have a great time if you come and be with us. So 1 John chapter 1. Today, I'm preaching a third message on the title, Father. I didn't really plan that originally. I didn't know that was gonna, the way it was going to come down, the way it was going to happen. Uh, but the first message was on Father God. The second message was eight different fathers. We have one God, but in different facets or characteristics. And the, the message for today is the character of the Father. So first of all, if you're at 1 John uh, chapter 1, let's look at verse 1. That which was from the beginning, oh, by the way, anybody want a corny joke? You know why God's interested in the Padres? 
Padres. You know why he's interested in the Padres? Because the Bible it says in the beginning. Okay, um, <clears throat> that which was from the beginning, <laughs> that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, notice this, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon. So the idea, what's the difference in seeing with your eyes and looked upon? Uh, they studied. One of them is you can glance and see, but to look upon has the idea of really studying and contemplating, and, and our hands have handled. Now, they're talking about the word of life, and, and the word, word, the word word is capitalized, and it's the, in the Greek, it's the logos, which is a title of Jesus Christ, one of his titles. In fact, it'll be a name that we study in this series, The Lord Willing, uh, the logos. So uh, he, here's what he's saying as a disciple. From the beginning, we have heard with our ears, we have seen with our eyes, we have beheld him, we've studied him, and, and our hands have even handled him. And this, this is, by the way, called empirical proof. Empirical proof. These guys are writing as they're moved by the Holy Spirit of God, uh, these letters, these epistles, these records of what they heard, what they saw, what they handled, what they studied, what they contemplated, what they observed over a three-year period that they were with the Lord. And, and so the writings are based on that. And this and empirical proof means literally based upon or concerned with or verifiable by observation or experience rather than just being pure theory or logic. So these were things that the people went through here. Uh, for the life was manifested, and we have seen it, again, referring to Christ, and bear witness and show you unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us, and it's literally manifested to us in the person of Jesus Christ. So, so the, the, the idea um, is that there was glory, there was eternal life, was with the Father and was manifested in the person of Jesus Christ that we uh, have seen and heard and declare unto you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, and these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. Now skip over to chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God, literally the children of God. So ladies, he's not singling out males and versus females. He's talking about human beings, his creatures his, that he created. So the Lord has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. And then one more, 1 John chapter 4, verse 12. No man has seen God at any time. And what's referring here to is the, the full glory of, of God, the, the uh, unrestrained uh, demonstration of all that God is, all that the Father is. No, man, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us, and his love is made complete or perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us. This is called the reciprocal indwelling. He lives in us. When we come to Christ and we repent of our sins and we, we ask him to be our Savior, we receive the salvation that's available through Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to reside within us. Another place, Paul says, no, you're not. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. What is a temple or a house? It's it's a place where people abide. And so the Holy Spirit lives within us. But 
There's this idea, too, that we live in the Spirit. We're connected to the Spirit. So it's a reciprocal indwelling because he has given us of his Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him, and he in God. Again, there's that reciprocal idea. So as I mentioned before in one of the other messages, perhaps in both, the article the is emphasized in the title of, of the Father. It underscores his exclusiveness. It underscores his behavior, the behavior of the true God, the Father, the only one above all other fathers as the source of all good things. Uh, and remember, the author of 1 John is the same author who wrote the Gospel of John where he included the name Father 122 times, far surpassing the other gospel writers' total usage uh, of, of the title Father. So let's see what he attributes to God through this title on the basis of the verses we've read. First of all, there is the exclusiveness of his being. The exclusiveness, there is no other category of God, none. No one is, is like the second coming second place to God, no one's third place. God is God, there is absolutely no other. He alone is God and no one else is. The Jews would um, cleave to a passage in Deuteronomy chapter six, verse four, and they call it the Shema. I think I'm, Donna, am I pronouncing that right? The Shema, no, Shema, huh? Next week? Okay, <laughs> she's taking Hebrew, so she's going to become my uh, resource here. And uh, but the Shema or Shema uh, means to hear, and so what was to be memorized by Jew good Jewish people was Deuteronomy six four, which says, "Hear, O Israel, the Lord." And if you recall, when it's L O R D all capitalized, that's referring to His Jehovah covenant name, okay, if you remember that, way back, I think we started with Jehovah way back when, first of the year, so, uh, so oh, here, O Israel, the Lord Jehovah is our God, now, capital G, small O-D, Elohim, the Lord Jehovah is our God, omnipotent, and it's a plural form, our omnipotence, uh, and they're referring to Elohim, so Jehovah God is our Elohim, God, and he is, is one and only one Lord. 700 times in the, in the Old Testament, 700 times he's referred to as the only one. So the Shema was something that was to be uh, impressed into the minds of every child and every adult in the Hebrew nation that we serve one God, a monotheistic God. And again, we've talked about Father, Son, Holy Spirit, not three gods, three manifestations of the one true and living God. Now, Paul elaborates a little bit on this in, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, he said, there's one body, there's one Spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all, and in you all. So God is exclusive. The Father is exclusive. There is no other God. Uh, the Father and Jesus, by the way, are one. In John 14, 9, Jesus said unto him, unto Philip, have I been so long with you, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. 
so the heavenly father is terminology without equal anywhere else uh, at any other time. There's no, there, he's all in a category by himself. Secondly, and I'm ready to move into this territory this morning, the sovereignty of his grace. Grace, grace, God's grace, right? The sovereignty of grace. God is sovereign. Sovereign means the supreme ruler, <clears throat> especially a monarch. It's a term used in 1 Timothy in the King James Version and in the American Standard Version to translate the royal title potentate. That was the actual uh, meaning uh, that, that's in the King James and in the ASV. Potentate, ascribed to God in this passage. So most modern versions don't use the word potentate, but they use the word ruler for the sovereign. So someone who's a sovereign. So, so in England, Queen Elizabeth was the sovereign. Now King Charles is the sovereign, uh, uh, someone who rules the people. But herein lies one of the controversies of Christendom, right? The sovereignty of God. Do we have free will or do we not have free will? Are we predestined to heaven or hell long before we're ever born? Or are we not predestined to heaven or hell? Uh, the, the two battlefields, Calvinism versus Arminianism. Uh, and named after two people who established uh, systematic theologies and studies in this. Now, I understand John, Jesus said in John 6, 44, no man comes to the Father except the Father who has sent me draw him. No one can come. We, we, there's nothing good in us. Uh, seeking God is not because we one day woke up and said, I really realize that uh, there is a God. I need to seek him, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do whatever I can to serve the true and the living God. So here's my, how do you reconcile the idea of sovereignty of God and, and the free will? Here's my understanding. In Ephesians 1, 3 through 7. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual things in heavenly places in Christ. Now listen to this note, this phrase. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Now that was before you were born. Chuck, that was even before you were born. <laughs> it's before I was born. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Listen to this. Having predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Not because you deserve it, not because I deserve it, not because we're some valuable catch that God has made, uh, but because it was his good pleasure to do so. To the praise of the glory of his grace, where it is he's made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Now, I have no problem with those verses. I have, no, I have no contention with those. I believe those verses. They are the word of God. They're absolutely the word of God. God is absolutely sovereign. Now, Mary, that concept and that teaching, that idea, to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the, what? Foreknowledge of God. Uh, to me, that's, there's a key there. A light comes on when I read that. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, there's the Father, through sanctification by the Spirit 
unto the obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, take those two passages in Ephesians chapter uh, 1 and 1 Peter chapter 1. Put them alongside John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that who? Whosoever believeth in him should not what? Perish, but have what? Everlasting life. So, uh, so here, here I was gonna, I was gonna do this with William, but he's probably busy right now. But I, I was gonna say, if if I, if I have a, a candy bar, and if I had a hundred dollar bill, and I had William in here, I believe that if I offered him a candy bar and a hundred dollar bill, I believe he would take the candy bar. I'm not going to try it. <laughs> you know why? Because my foreknowledge is imperfect. God's foreknowledge is not imperfect. Who knows? Ryan may have been talking to William and said, take the $100 bill. <laughs> so, so I could be wrong in that. But God cannot be wrong because God cannot make a mistake, because God cannot err, because God knows everything. He's absolutely sovereign. He's absolutely omniscient. And so I believe that helps me to understand. We, we are elect and predestined according to his foreknowledge. He knew ahead of time. And so therefore, we're predestinating Christ. Now, the famous uh, American Bible scholar, Donald Gray Barnhouse, says it this way, and I, this is a quote. He used this illustration to help people make sense of election. I hope it helps. And there's John Wesley or John Whitfield, one or the other, had a similar type thing that I couldn't find online, uh, but th I found this one. He asked people to imagine a cross, like the one on which Jesus died, only it's a lot bigger, a lot larger, so that it has a, it's big enough to have a door in it, okay? So at the base of the cross is, is a door. Over the door were written these words from, Revel from Revelation, whosoever will may come could be John 3.16, too. Uh, these words represent the free and universal offer of the gospel. By God's grace, the message of salvation is for everyone. Every man, woman, and child who will come to the cross is invited to believe in Jesus Christ and enter eternal life. On the other side of the door, once you go through that door and the cross, uh, from the end... From the, on the other side of the door, a happy surprise awaits the one who believes and enters. From the inside, anyone glancing back can see the words from Ephesians written above the door, chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. So election, Barnhouse said, is best understood in hindsight, for it is only after coming to Christ that one can know whether one has been chosen in Christ. Those who make a decision for Christ find that God made a decision for them in eternity past. Now, let me say two more things. First of all, I believe that God has ordained that those who repent and believe become elect based on the foreknowledge of God. But then I hasten to say one other thing. When we're talking about an infinite mind and an infinite truth and trying to figure it out with finite minds, we don't always have it figured out. Is it John MacArthur who said, that that free will and, and predestination are like railroad tracks. They, they run together on into heaven. So I think it was him. So uh, as the sovereign, <clears throat> um, he is absolutely sovereign. And if I'm wrong on this, I'm wrong on this. <laughs> it's not him. <laughs> I promise you that. Now, as the sovereign, God is also omnipotent, which means all 
powerful. He is absolutely all powerful. And by definition logic, think about it, you cannot have two omnipotent people or personages. You can't. One of them is, is either more power than the other, powerful than the other, or, or he's not all powerful at all. If there's someone equal to him, he's not power, all powerful. And so there's only by definition one, one that can be omnipotent. So the idea of the sovereign, the potentate, by the way, it reminds me, uh, several years ago, Jerry Falwell Sr. <clears throat> was in town, and every time I had an opportunity, he came to our other church uh, a couple of different times to preach. <clears throat> and one time he went to the Albar Shrine. Uh, where, you, know, you know where that is? I, I can't remember where it was exactly. But I, I went there because he's one of my heroes, and I just love to hear him preach. And uh, So I got there, and I mean, every parking place was taken. It was packed out. I drove around, drove around, you know how you do, trying to find a parking place. And I drove by the one, and there was one vacancy. And it said, the most high potentate. <laughs> I'm not him, but I know him. And he obviously is not here. So I'm going to park in there. <laughs> I parked in the most high potentate parking place. And my car was still there when I got out. So it was no problem. <clears throat> he is sovereign. I hope this helps understand Calvinism, Arminian. I, 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 I really, and I'm not being pious about this. I don't prefer the title of either one of them. I prefer a biblical Christian viewpoint. And I, I don't try to be fancy in saying that. I just, I just believe that the truth is somewhere in between. So... <clears throat> Anyhow, the claims of a deity. The Father is God, therefore we are to worship him. John 4, 23, but the hour is coming now is when the true worshipers, Jesus talking to the lady uh, seated there by the well, <clears throat> when the, when the uh, true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeks as such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Well, the time, folks, is here that we're to worship God. And we're to worship him in spirit and truth. We don't see him. We don't have him here. We don't have a statue of him here. It's not a statue we're worshiping. It's not, we don't need the statue. We do have a cross. Uh, and we wouldn't have to have that. It's, it's the idea that Christ died on the cross. It's not the cross itself. That's a piece of driftwood that somebody fashioned and made into a cross. Uh, but we have uh, the God who we worship in spirit and in truth. And, and by the way, Jesus allowed himself to be worshipped, so he wouldn't have done that as a righteous Jewish believer. He wouldn't have done that um, uh, he, he, unless he really was and is who he says he is, that he is God. In John chapter 20, verse 27, Thomas Jesus said, Thomas, reached, well, first of all, okay, Thomas wasn't at church. <laughs> he was absent, probably went to a Padre game. Uh, he wasn't there the first time that Jesus appeared after the resurrection to the disciples. So they, they, were, they had 10 disciples there. Judas had hung himself. He was gone. He was out of the picture. Uh, and, and Thomas wasn't there for whatever reason. He had something else going on business-wise. Maybe he wasn't feeling good. Maybe he was discouraged, depressed, maybe about ready to give up, throwing the towel. I don't know what the reason was, but he wasn't there. Second time, so, so the disciples say, Thomas, you should have been here. You don't know what you miss. And folks, by the way, you should be in God's house. You don't know what you miss. 
I think, I think back to that Sunday morning in 1966 in January, January the 9th, when I walked an aisle similar to this, not, not a whole lot, not a whole lot, not near as big as this, actually, probably about half the size of this auditorium. <clears throat> and I walked the aisle, and I surrendered my life to Christ. And what if I had not been in church on that Sunday because of some other, something else was more important? It, it, it set the course of my entire life. So how important is it to be in God's house? I think it's absolutely important. I think unless providentially hindered, which means you're in a hospital with several broken bones and <clears throat> IV tubes running in and maybe, uh, you know, whatever. <clears throat> but be in God's house. It's important. So Thomas is there and Jesus says, Thomas, I want you to do something. I want, to, I want you to reach with your finger and behold my hands and reach with your hand and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. He was doubting Thomas, right? We know him as doubting Thomas. Oh, Thomas, you should have been here. The Lord showed up. Yeah, right. You guys were hallucinating. You got drunk on new wine. You don't know what you're talking about. And Thomas answered Jesus and said unto him, My Lord and my God, Adonai, Elohim, my Lord, omnipotent God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are they who have not seen, yet have believed. Blessed are you who have not seen him, but you believe in him. Jesus received worship because one reason only, he was and is and always will be God. Number four, the revelation of his love, John 3, 16. You already know that. I already said that. How about John 1, 14? And the word was made flesh and dwelt among, amongst us, and we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The title father implies a relationship, right? <clears throat> if you're a father, you have children, uh, either literally or symbolically. Maybe, maybe you're a father figure to someone. And by the way, if kids don't have dads and you have the opportunity to be a godly influence and, and a godly dad to that child, that's a great thing to do. It's a very important thing to do. But it implies a relationship and implies a love relationship. Uh, John 3.35, the father loves the son, has given all things to his hand. John 16.27, for the father himself loves you because why? Because you have loved me and have believed that I came out from God. God loves us. He loves us first of all fact. The power of the Spirit, John 14, 26, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send to my name, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. The, the, the power of the Holy Spirit. We, we cannot live effective Christian lives. I don't even know that we can live a life without the power of the Holy Spirit, just a physical life. We need the power uh, and the ability of the Holy Spirit. So being a father means you have offspring. In God's case, he has an only begotten son. So let me close with this point, the character of the son's service. In John 12, 49, for I have spoken, I have not spoken, Jesus said of myself, but of the father who sent me. He gave a commandment that I should say and what I should speak. And he that loves me not keeps not my sayings. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. There was a Christian um, apologist named Luthart, Luthart, 
to express the community of action between the Father and the Son, how they operate together this way. Quote, the work belongs to the Father insofar as it proceeds from him, to the Son insofar as it is accomplished by him in the world. There are millions of natural fathers and of figureheads, no figureheads no of fathers, founding fathers, city fathers, etc. But our God is the Father. There's that article, the Father, the perfection of all paternity, he says, in love, discipline, care, and provision. The Father is a tremendous title of our God. And it applies relationship. And by the way, do you know how they determine paternity? You know how they determine that? By a blood test. Well, we become children of God through the blood of Christ. Hebrews 9, 22, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood. Without the shedding of blood is no remission. And Ephesians 2, 13 says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes far off were made near by the blood of Christ. So it's through the sacrificial offering of Jesus Christ as the Son of God and the Lamb of God and the Savior that we become born again. Is he your father? He can be by grace through faith. Would you bow your heads, please? Would you think about that for just a moment? Is he your father? Do you know he's your father? Are you certain of that? If you know God is your father, you have no doubts about that. There was a time and place where you received Christ as your personal savior and you're certain of your relationship with him. You know he's your father. Would you raise your hands up just for a moment as a testimony, silent testimony. Thank you so much. You can put your hands down. How many would say, Pastor, I don't know. Either you'd say either he's he's not really my my father yet. I haven't I haven't placed my faith in his son. I haven't received Christ as my personal savior. Or you'd say, I'm just not sure, preacher. I'm just not certain. I hope so. I want him to be, but I'm not sure. If either one of those would would describe you, would you slip your hand up and let me pray for you and not embarrass you? Just say, preacher, I'm not sure that he's my, my father, and I want you to pray for me. I don't see any hands, so I hope everybody here is a born-again child of God. Fathers, we bow in your presence right now. We recognize you as our sovereign Lord. We recognize Jesus as your only begotten Son who died to save our souls. We recognize the Holy Spirit as the one who infuses us with eternal life, as the one who lives through us, as we allow him to do so, as we become a conduit of his mercy and grace. Father, I pray that you would assure us of your love because of your relationship to us and because of who you are, the Father, the exclusiveness, the omnipotence, the sovereignty, the one who before we were ever thought of, before there was ever a earth, planets, sun, moon, or stars, you planned for us. You had a plan for us. And it was through your son. 
So we thank you for what you've done. Father, if there's someone here who needs to come for prayer, if there's someone who needs to make sure of their eternal salvation, if there's someone interested in joining the church, someone interested in being baptized, I pray, God, that they would come forward in this brief invitation. And we ask these things in the name of Christ, our Savior. Amen. Would you stand? I'm going to ask the praise team to sing a couple of verses of the invitation. And if there's a need that you have, would you come right now? I'll be down front. And anything I can do to help you, I'll be glad to. Ryan's right over here on the side somewhere. He'll help you. Rachel's in the back. So come ahead. after the service, we're going to set up a couple of tables. If Bo, if you and Steve could help us get those round tables down here, we'll set those up. We'll have lunch for those who are interested in being in our new member class, finding out what we stand for, what we believe. And uh, if you didn't sign up ahead of time, feel free to stick around. You can have my wife's lunch, no problem at all. <laughs> She's a good sharer, and so it won't be any problem. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, stick around. And military, out on the patio, you'll have your lunch out there. Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you, Father, for sovereignty and the free will and however that works, Lord, however you want to work it, is more than okay with all of us. So, Father, just thank you for being our God. Thank you for giving us a remedy for the affliction of sin. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Be friendly on the way out, okay? See you later. Pray for the Padres.
shout out your